Pandora's box is about to open wide. Welcome once again to Pandora's box, ladies and gentlemen. I am Callum, or I like to go by my new moniker, Thardent Sperm Whale. Bullwinkle is not with us today, he is travelling the world, but Drupal LeBear is with us, as usual. Would you like to give yourself an exciting moniker for today? Today, because of the the colour choice, I'm going to be called Monochrome. Monochrome. Sounds like a sounds like a character from like an 80s sci-fi mm. movie. <laughs> monochrome. I am monochrome. I am monochrome. <laughs> I thought it'd be fun to um, start off today's episode of Pandora's Box um, with some not-so-quick-fire facts. Mm. So, yeah, like facts that are relatively quick, but they're not so quick I call them quick-fire facts. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so let us begin, ladies and gentlemen. Some really interesting stuff, actually. Um... There is a bird called the Takahe. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Takahe. Um, it's one of the world's rarest birds, and it was once thought to be extinct. So people thought it was extinct for quite a long time, but it turns out it's alive and well, and it's being reintroduced in the wild or in the wilds of New Zealand to secure their future. Um, they were, yeah, thought to be uh, extinct, but they were rediscovered again in 1948. Conservationists have nurtured the population to around 500 through unique methods like using sock puppets for feeding. Hello. <laughs> Would you like some food? Recently, 18 of these vibrant red-beaked birds were released in Lake Wakatipu. Lake Wai- Wakatipu. Waimauri Valley. If successful, more Takahe will join their peers in the coming months, making it mm. a crucial step in re-establishing their wild presence, despite ongoing challenges. I always think it's like really cool when you hear something like that, like, you know, like scientists think, like um, that an animal's extinct, and mm. it just turns out that they're not. Oh man, that's like, I've heard that's that like several the best times. Best news ever. Yeah, I've heard about that several times. Um, I think we talked about like, a couple of months ago. I think there was like a species of moth. Was it? I think that was like that. Imagine but, if the dodo was all of a sudden just here again. I reckon they'll be able to bring the dodo back to life. You reckon? Yeah, I reckon they'll bring mm. the dodo back to life. Another interesting fact now. Did you know that after World War Two, many German soldiers repurposed their helmets for civilian use, including using them as kitchenware. This was a way to make use of available resources in the post-war period when materials were scarce. Obviously, especially in Germany, where like a lot of Germany was just like rubble. Obviously, mm. by the time I mean it was a hard-fought thing. Obviously, the Russians were coming in from the east, and like the Americans and the British and the other Allied forces were like you know Canadians, Aussies, New Zealanders, etc. were coming in from the west, and like you know it was hard-fought battles. By the time they actually got to Berlin, yeah, and like Berlin itself was just you know pretty much just so bombed and annihilated so let's face it the economy was like crushed mm. the whole entire system was crushed so they um yeah you can watch videos of them just sort of like turning their helmets into like saucepans and stuff mm. online which is it's quite interesting um this next fact is mental and it's one of those facts that i think makes you realize how sort of fascinating but also in a way i find this like almost like how disturbing nature can be as well because i do find this fact like a bit disturbing it's just it's a bit like you know, there's different types of horror movie, and, and one of the types of horror that they call is they call it, I think they call it body horror. So the the not idea. Heard of it. Have you not? Mm. I know that you're not so much of a horror aficionado with, say, like myself or our mate Luke Rose. But um, so the the idea is that there's different types of horror. Um, there's there's like subtle horror. So there's there's horror that basically builds up tension mm. and ambience and stuff and makes you feel like 
dramatic on your head on the mm. edge but it never it doesn't rely at all on like gore blood and guts or even sometimes there won't even be like a big reveal do mm. you know what i mean there won't necessarily it's more it like be tension it's playing on your imagination mm. and using co- mate i find high that quality I, I find that tension. like yeah that more more kind of like that captures me and yeah. it draws me in yeah you know? me too i think it's considered almost like the most i mean obviously it's all in the eye of the beholder but i think in general it's almost like the most highly regarded form of horror because it's it takes very intelligent writing mm. do you know what i mean very mm. clever writing like not everyone can do that and i think that's why writers like mr james are held in such high esteem because they were like masters of that mm. just the quality of their writing they can literally just make you feel like you're on the edge of your seat but there's never there's there's not there's often not even anything crazy mm-hmm. it's more like you know playing off like is there something in the corner of your eye or like is is what it, ifs yeah and, and often in these stories it's not even like there's ever any concrete like was it even a supernatural thing it's more like playing on the, the psychology yeah it's more like a man a man know. can lose his mm. mind mm. late at night in a room on his own like through things and it's like was it even supernatural <laughs> or did he just lose his mind because of like say what he'd been told or what was going on like that's the power of imagination and that in its, in its own way that can almost be more scary but then you know you've obviously got like slasher horrors you mm. know you've got your classic sort of scream friday mm. the 13th mm. um you know where there's like there's like a guy the ones i've seen you. more of yeah like halloween mm. obviously would be a big one as well there's like there's like one force Michael Myers, um, what's his name? The guy in the Scream movies. I'm not so much a big fan of Screams, but uh, you know what I mean. It's a ghost face, I think. Mm. Or like, you know, Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th. And like, it's more like one guy and he's after you. So that's mm. their like slasher horrors. And then you've got like your 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 body horror. So it's more like, yeah, just outrageous, um, like gore. And not just gore, but like things that are just very unpleasant to the human eyes. Mm. You know what I mean? So it could be like, you know, certain things like in, in, movies, in movies like The Thing, or there's lots of other... Um, body horror movies um like from the 80s and stuff where it's just like it's just so gross to watch mm. that it just sort of it is sort of horrifying mm. but it's in a very different way to that mr james style of like on the edge of your seat mm. subtle what would be what would be the ones that are like uh fake real so like so like you know like like oh uh, like yeah paranormal like found acti- footage like, yeah like par- like paranormal activity I, I i thought when i first saw that that i i thought that was actual i didn't realize that like, it was like yeah. it was an actual movie like I blair thought, witch project <gasps> it proper yeah. sketched me out yeah like, i think especially with blair witch project back in the day because that mm. came out i think in about like the year 2000 maybe 1999 something like that and oh. that was the first movie of its kind yeah and i remember a lot of people thought that was real yeah a lot of people. Yeah, I think they I just. Call, it I, first I'm pretty well. sure they just call it found footage horror, mm. or like found footage, something like that. It's something like that. But um, yeah, the idea it's that you so you, freaky about that stuff mm. as well. I tell you what, and I don't know. This is a this is a lesser known movie, um, so so people might not know this. Um, people that that have heard of this, they might laugh. I watched a found footage horror movie called something like the McPherson Story, or something like that, or the McPherson Abduction. I tell you what, dude, that freaked me out. Really? It was supposed to be like it was supposed to be like a found footage of like a family that, uh, and it was very clever, a bit like the same as Blair Witch Project. It like it starts off, um, and um, you know, it's almost more just like a guy that lives on this like little like, home, you know, like and he's got his house and it's like in the middle of America. Do you know what I mean like not many neighbors around? It's like out in the sticks sort of thing, and it's more just him like documenting just little bits of bobs. Like they got they got a camera, and then it's more like odd stuff starts happening. Um, and then it, yeah, it all gets like balls deep with aliens and stuff. But mm. mate, I tell you what, I watched that probably when I was about like thirteen or something. And it freaked me yeah, out. I bet. I'm gonna see actually if I can find a um, and also if um, I can find a trailer for it. 
do you remember Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind? I think it was called, and it was yes. like this an alien one. Very, that's a very good one. And so that right, was yeah, 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 that was almost based on the real. It was like it's almost like set out like a documentary, but yeah. with a film as well. And was that and, where like the person went to like therapy and? Yes, I and thought it, that it was, was very good. It was therapy tapes. That was it. It's and really you, funny, and, and, yeah. and, and they start like interfering with the tapes and that, and it's just like, oh god, super freaky. And I remember. Owl. I remember. I remember. Yeah, I remember thinking. I remember going to the cinema to watch that actually. And I remember I went in like quite like a big extended group. You know, where like. You know when like, you go in like a big extended group, especially when you're sort of like in your teens or your mm. early 20s, whatever, and it's not necessarily... Mate, I might have even been there, because I might think I, I went like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, to yeah. the you, you might have been, yeah. But one thing I, I just remember is I always thought was like, really funny whenever I think back to that. I remember I was like gripped and captivated by the whole movie, and I was like loving it on the edge of my seat. And I was like, yeah, like a bit, almost like a bit freaked out as well. And then it finished, and I thought like, that is amazing. I just remember the first thing I heard was, in our extended group, I don't know if it was like still when she was going out with our mate Joe Wynn, and Joe Wynn was there or something, it was probably because of that. I remember there was a girl that we 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 know who who I would say is a friend of ours, but not like a close friend of ours. I mean, I I like her and she's a good mates with my missus called Harry Popham, who's like a very also a very successful sort of like writer illustrator, mm. isn't she? Sort of she's done some books like arty books artist, and stuff, yeah. and she's a good artist, yeah. Um, and um, I just remember the first thing she like, said, like I got up and I thought that was amazing. She just went, well, that was a load of rubbish, <laughs> you know. And it's just like quite funny. And just a bit, a bit like. Ah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. thought it was like really no, good. No, it wasn't. Yeah. I don't know why this computer isn't uh, working. We had some um, technical issues ah, in the studio yesterday. Oh, no. so, do you think I might have to turn on the, the ROM? Um, Potentially. Yeah, wait, is that PC ones on? Oh, yeah. So it's the oh, yeah, yeah, there we go. I think it's nice. going to come on. Yeah, just so I can show you guys hopefully a trailer for that McPherson thing in, in a minute. I think it's called the McPherson tapes, but um, yeah, we're, we're loading up now. Mm. So um, hopefully I can guys in a minute for people that are watching on uh on youtube and spotify and stuff i'll be able to show you the trailer for this thing to get you like an idea of what it's like but i recommend watching it man but yeah i think that fourth in uh, you know encounters of the uh, encounters of the fourth kind or whatever it's called i liked how it almost like, played off that thing like um it almost makes you think sometimes it's better to keep those things buried because it was almost like yeah. when they uncovered it they started going almost like a bit mental didn't they yeah and it was like and, crazy. and also as well you think if there was something with like superior technology and stuff i remember this bit in it like it was like you would see the owl at the window and it's like they would disguise themselves oh, as that that's, owl that's freaky. And it's like, i hate that yeah and I it's like imagine just seeing this owl outside your window and then and, and it visits you often and it's like they've they've done something with your mind to make you think it's an owl but really you're just getting abducted i was like oh yeah. man that is so horrible because i could imagine that oh. kind of thing it would be the way that they would like do you know what i mean like they would be able to trick you or whatever i think there's something so horrible about that in general isn't it like whether it's aliens or you know there's uh, something against your will yeah yeah not just that it's like something Things like tricking you or something like you know yeah. um, we've talked a little bit about on that old um native american sort of um creature that's known as just like a skinwalker mm. i know because we've talked a lot about like a lot of cryptids in the pod in the past you know i always say i always say i mean it's not like i'm saying that like i think they're real but i think or i'm not saying i don't think they're real either i just, I just think it's in, they're interesting stories like the native americans have all these tales of these things some other people you know and even in the modern world claim that they've had like weird encounters People definitely have like unexplained encounters in life. That doesn't mean it can't be explained, obviously. It just means that they couldn't explain it at the time. And because, obviously, no one else was there that could potentially help explain it, unfo and it's going to be left unexplained mm -hmm. forever, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's that's where almost like, the fun lies to me, is like the fact that it was a mystery and like almost like the wondering, wonder, pondering what was it and what actually happened. And, and almost like the fun to me, I, I almost think, like, I wish I'd been there or I wish mm -hmm. I could witness something like that. So I can so I can see myself like see like what would my eyes and ears and my senses make of that you know but anyway yeah you hear stories about like skinwalkers and apparently they're like shapeshifters and stuff and there's like tales of like Skinwalker Ranch for example <laughs> as it's known in America and it's like a real place called Skinwalker Ranch um, 
and it's like you know you hear different stories of people who are apparently skinwalkers are like shapeshifters and stories of like people out in the woods and then they'll say like they hear like weird noises and mm. then like they'll see like a dog or a deer but it'll be like something will look off about it and mm. it's not acting like a normal wolf or a deer would would act and just like stuff like that and like yeah and that when it appears suddenly like you know you know when you're walking through the forest normally or something like um usually you can hear back there's lots of background noise like you hear you hear birds tweeting, you know, like the forest is, is is rampant with life. You know, there's there's so many hundreds, if not thousands, of species of animals and insects and all sorts of things, you know, that are living in the woods. Um and usually there's a lot of background noise. You mm. know, even if you think it's quiet, really actually if you pay attention, there's lots of like mm. and like lots of different things going on. And they'll say suddenly like the forest just goes silent. Mm. And then this like weird deer or this weird wolf will come up and and then you know, they say mm. and they they just have for some reason have this like unknown feeling of dread inside them and stuff like that. And it just, almost reminds me of that cat man one you were talking about. Yeah. And that, that, that guy, um and the, the guy and the woman um saw it and he was like a quite a credible guy, oh, wasn't he? Yeah, that was a fascinating and, one. And, wasn't it? and it started just like, just creeping towards oh, him. Oh yeah, what was it? that called? Yeah, that that had like an yeah. There was like a name for that specific event where there's like weird cat creature apparently, and they, like they said that like he they stayed weren't quite calm, didn't he? The the yeah, the but the woman was like messed up yeah. from it, and yeah. and like they they said that literally they'd had like one or two glasses of wine with dinner, but it was like seven thirty at night, mm. and it was like winter time or something like that, so it was like it was dark, but it wasn't that late. They mm. had like one or two glasses of wine, so it's not like they were like wasted. Because I swear you they said something about the, the air changed then as well. It was almost like this, electric and they had like those. Light. Well, I have them in my kitchen. They had like doors where it's like you know, like glass doors. Yeah, I think yeah. they call them like French windows, don't they? Yeah. Um, and yeah, there was just like this freaking humanoid, but like Catman just stood in the window, just looking at him, and it said oh, it was almost like man. confused by the glass, like it couldn't, it didn't understand like why it couldn't almost like get through the door, like it was fascinated by it. But yeah, you hear things like that, and it's like, and when you hear stories like that as well, like they they didn't try and seek fame from it or no, ever like or or it, ever that yeah or ever um what's the word i'm looking for like when you make money from something they didn't try and uh mm. profit from it mm. or anything like that um yeah just just intriguing intriguing stuff um but yeah that the whole idea yeah that like something could be say in your window and it's like disguising itself as something else to, mm. to have like an ulterior motive with you in some way like oh that's just a horrible thought isn't it but Dang. let me let me see if i can find this i think it's called mcpherson mcpherson tapes or something mcpherson tapes yeah yeah here we are yeah for people listening on the radio um i know i've said it lots of times before but um we do have we do release pandora's box on spotify and youtube and other places as well so um if you want to watch this trailer as as well as um hear it then just go on spotify or youtube type in um pandora's box podcast and you will be able to watch this with us so let me get this uh, i'm intrigued it's good man it's good in november of 1997 the mcpherson family disappeared okay okay i gotta work it now here we have my mom this is my niece rosie oh hey now I think it makes it almost like more freaky. It's better as well. It just almost starts off like it's like you know how like a lot of families have like footage of like yeah Christmas or obviously this is America like Thanksgiving or whatever. Yeah, right. You can't even hold that thing steady. Yeah, it's supposed to look like this. Oh, what was that? That was just a little flash outside the window, guys, and the power's gone down. All right. Whoa. Look at that. What is that? What? what? Oh, the electricity's gone. 
swear to God, that's a fucking quiet, UFO, quiet. man. Where is it? Shh. I swear, gentlemen. I can't, come on. That's an alien. Give it back. <laughs> that's an alien. Oh, they're cutting open one of the cows. What? They see us. One of them's looking right at me. Oh, f They see us. Come on, come on. Red light. 13-year-old me, mate, late at night, watching this in my parents' seven room. I was... I was bricking it, mate. We need to get the hell out of here. What's the matter? Call 911! It's making me want to watch it again. This would have freaked me out if I was 13 watching this. I saw it loads of horrible stuff when I was a kid, man. I don't know. The worst thing for me as well, like nowadays in my life, that I think of would be the fact. I hope no one's finding this too distressing, listen to this, because it's quite horrible music in that, isn't it? Like... Is everybody okay? No, but you... They won't turn off. What the hell? Man, did you see that? What? The front door! Yeah, I got it, I got it. Do you actually see him? Yeah, I remember, but it's quite subtle, I remember, um... I don't think we're gonna make it. Holy... Oh, that is freaky, man. Yeah, I remember it's it's quite subtle, do you know what I mean? Like, it's not blatant. But I remember there's, like, little scenes as well, um, which I thought was really cool, where um, there'll be, like, scenes where they're, like, chatting and, like, freaking out or something, or, or not freaking out, they, or, you know, they could just be chatting, and then, like, in the window or something, you'll just, like, see someone walk past or something, and it's a bit like, oh. <laughs> and, like, they don't even notice it on the thing, but mm. you do, and you're like, oh, mate, that sends a chill down oh, my spine. Oh, damn. I always remember there's a really good scene in um, one of the Halloween movies as well. I think it's actually Halloween 1, one of the like, the first Halloween movie. I remember I watched it for the first time with our mate Josh, round his, oh, uh, his mum's old house in North Street when we were, like, like like kids, mm. I mean, like eight, nine, ten, something like that. And um, I remember there was a scene like that, and I remember Josh didn't notice it, and he was like really annoyed that he didn't notice it. But I remember there was just this scene, and it's like it's for the people that are more paying attention. Do you know what mm. I mean? And it was like it's not even necessarily a particularly scary scene in itself. It was just like this woman in their kitchen just chatting on the phone or something, and then just subtly, just like she walks past the window, and you just see Michael Myers, just his head just staring in the freaking thing, and it's like it, as soon as you notice it, you're like, oh. <laughs> So, I, mean, I wonder if a lot of people like, could just like not notice it. Yeah, it'd be cool if there was like a, a movie where they did that loads in it, but like you know, like that's, that's like all the movie is. Yeah, just like just loads of scenes with this this real ominous, scary thing, just always watching. Yeah, yeah, but, and yeah. like and you know, and you should always kind of see it there. Did yeah. you ever see um you know you know like the paranormal activities and that? I, yeah. I remember I watched this one with Danny, and me and him were both on our own like at at home when like this was years ago now. And it was like there, there was somewhere like it, it was like like South American kind of family or something. It was like all right. like Brazil or, or Mexican. I think it might have been Mexican actually, Mexican in America or something like that. And um, and um, it was really weird. Like they started like messing with stuff, and they and and started actually like getting like powers. So it was that proper. Sorry, what were they messing uh, with? Uh, oh, I can't remember now. It was either messing with um an object or a book. 
or or something like that or they were they were getting they were getting haunted <laughs> by this thing and they were trying right. to contact it but it was like this demon basically oh, and horrible. um and and like the, the person that the person that was getting possessed started getting like these powers and started doing stuff like jumping like upstairs and stuff but they did but it but, but it, they did it they did it in this way that it was like it was that it was that like home footage style yeah. and it just looked really real and it was just proper freaky i remember like yeah. watching it being like it was quite a good idea i thought like doing it kind of um so you start getting these like almost like because that she like possessed by this really powerful demon, like you're actually doing stuff that you normally your body couldn't do in that, mm. and it was just like well, I was like, oh man, and still kind of like her or him. Who, I can't even remember if it was a girl so or a boy. Still now. like they're still them, of, but they're not yeah. them. And you're like, oh my god, it's taken over more. It's, it's almost like um, if you wanted to look in, I mean, there's 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 just the story itself, but on a deeper level, you could almost like see it as it's like an analogy, almost like for drug addiction or something. Do you know what I mean? Where mm. like you still sort of are yourself. Yeah, but, but you're it, not. Get, it gets to the point where you're not yourself anymore. Mm. Um, and it's like the high you're feeling from the drug sometimes yeah. can be more and even alluring alcohol, to like some spirits. people. Like yeah. the reason yeah. it's called spirits is because Spirit. it, it yeah, is because yeah. they they would say that the spirits would go into your body yeah. when you're completely wasted when you drink them because like you're you're opening yeah, yourself up, yeah. up to that. that. And like you know how people can just when they're completely wasted like do stuff that's almost like not them. Yeah. It's like and yeah, often the you do hear will play with you. You do hear people say, don't you, that like sometimes different types of alcohol will make people react um differently and like often, mm. often people say things that like whiskey and vodka will make somebody like more unpleasant mm. potentially gin than, mother's ruin yeah yeah <laughs> more, more potentially unpleasant than say like beer would yeah which is quite interesting yeah. isn't it quite an interesting concept should we watch the trailer for the fourth kind yeah one as well just so people can see that Everyone oh well, look, wonder why so many people say they want to guy. guitar but very few actually learn to oh play. yeah i've no it's longer got um i've no longer got learn. premium uh, youtube it went up it to 16.99 a month oh, dude, that's so i was like damn steep. son yeah, so for everyone listening, we're now going to watch the trailer for the. It's called the Fourth Kind. I remember this coming out. It's cool. Yeah, me too, man. I said I really enjoyed it, dude. I really. So enjoyed it's only it. a PG thirteen. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's because they don't show anything that's like overly sexual no. or graphic. But in my opinion, it's I quite still psychological. Think, I think though, this is quite inappropriate for a kid because yeah, yeah, psychological terror. In my opinion, is more disturbing than body horror. Doctor Abigail Tyler. Okay, where would you like to begin? Yeah, so people that are a fan of horrors or want something to watch this weekend, maybe watch one of these. Dr. Abigail Tyler, this film is a dramatization of events that occurred October 2000. Every scene in this movie is supported by archive footage. Some of what you're about to see is extremely disturbing. Yeah, I did think it was real when I first saw this. I was disappointed after. Alaska's quite an interesting place as well because it is so isolated. Like, it's like America's biggest state, but there's not very many people that live there, you know? Size pig. A white owl. Just looking at That's me. Have you ever owl. seen it before? Tommy? When I was a kid, just staring at me. I've seen it a lot. Every night this week. <laughs> oh, I just got a shiver. Yeah. I wonder if it actually is based on real case stories, because it says it is, but is it actually? There's no owl. I remember there's a scene where somebody, like, raises up off the... Safer, like floats. Yeah. That voice is speaking Sumerian, the oldest language in human history. You can go into any Sumerian exhibit and see etchings and sculptures of men in space suits and oxygen masks, rockets that look like Apollo. <laughs> do you believe in abduction theories? You don't mean alien abductions, do you? 
Isn't 3.33 the witching hour? There is more I think so, yeah. Or is it just three? I can't remember. Missing people in Nome than any other town in Alaska. Sit down. Out of my head, there, and I can't think straight. It's pretty disturbing, isn't it? Mm. What'd you say? You were there. I can't explain it. Someone or something. Came into my room. And it took me away. I think whenever you're dealing with anything that's like the idea that it's like. Against your some, will. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like mm. something's getting you against your will or doing something to you against your will. Mm. That's like very terrifying. Oh man. Horrible. Because as humans, I think what gives us security is the feeling that we are in control. Like mm. if you lock your door at night and you lock your back door and your windows are shut, like nothing's really getting in. Um, like, yeah, a, a burglar potentially could get in, but then it's like it's a human. You sort, you know what you're sort of dealing with, mm. you know, and like you can fight back. And when you know that you can fight back, that gives you an element of like feeling of control, mm. you know. Um, whereas if you just feel like the, there's no way for you to fight back or anything, yeah, you're man. Just, like, in I your think bed, it's my like, one. Of, it's down. my biggest fear. I would say it's, it's just that horrible, kind of yeah. thing, like you know, being completely something completely against your will, and then just like you know weirdness happening I think that's why sleep paralysis is such an unpleasant yeah. experience for people and obviously I can attest to that because oh, I've had it twice God. in my life yeah um, I've only had it a couple of times but yeah it's just because at the time obviously you are sort of paralysed mm. but your body's paralysed um, you know but you, you feel like you're awake but you feel paralysed and that's why I guess it feels like such a almost like a, terrifying that's what, yeah and that's why at the time it feels like such a supernatural thing is happening to you mm. even though it can be explained through science yeah, um, and it, for the couple of times it happened to me, like Im immense vibrations, like throughout my body, like you know what I mean. Yeah, but like, for me that was because I was struggling to move so much. Yeah, mm, yeah, for me, yeah. It's so weird, like yeah. yeah, so so strange, so strange. A very very unpleasant experience, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah, but do you know what? That's hilarious because we've gone off on like a twenty minute um sort of tangent. But I get back to my original um fact about why we start talking about all of that was that this is quite like a disturbing sort of body horror style um, fact. And the fact is, is when male and female anglerfish mate, so when a male anglerfish finds a female, he will bite into her skin um, and then release an enzyme through his teeth that digests the skin of his own mouth and her body, which will then fuse the pair down to the blood vessel level. The male becomes dependent on the female host then for survival by receiving nutrients via their shared circulatory system and provides sperm to the female in return through, yeah, through that sort of weird... on the course. That weird fusion... That is crazy. That's so um, weird. After fusing, males increase in volume and become much larger, much larger relative to free-living males of the species. They live and remain reproductively functional as long as the female lives and can take part in multiple spawnings. This extreme sexual dimorphism ensures that when the female is ready to spawn, she has a mate immediately available. Mate multiple males can be incorporated into a single individual female Whoa. with up to eight males in some species, though some taxa appear to have a one male per female rule. But that's just horrible. I mean, anglerfish in general already look a bit weird. I can't think of what they look like. 
I'll get a picture of an anglerfish. Um, anglerfish. Yeah, that is so weird, though, isn't it, man? Nature is crazy. Just imagine if that's how humans made. Imagine if we just went up to a woman, just Morphed. bit, just bit her, <laughs> and then just released enzymes in our oh, through yeah, our mouths that just digested our mouths, and then just fused, like almost like welded mm. our mouths on, and then we would just just like that <laughs> onto the side of the female. And I wonder what they look like when they're fused together, because that's just like how so I, I put, can't even. So I put like mating. Yeah, like I can't even think of how that would happening happen. How that would happen? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, that looks maybe like it could be. Oh no. So how would that fuse to someone else unless that's a female? Yeah, I got them. Ah, they're ugly. Don't they? The thing is, there's lots of different types of anglerfish, so mm. I don't know like exactly what one I would have to sort of put in. If you know what I mean. Mm. But like, yeah, you've got lots of things here, like anglerfish fusion mating and. Mm. Like different articles and stuff. Look, anglerfish, man. Blah, blah, blah. Oh. Um, so yeah, you, you, it's a shame that you they think are weird looking. They fish. are hor- they're already quite nightmarish. I know that they live super deep. Yeah, I think like look, they have the reason they're called anglerfish is because they have this almost this line and it and it lights up mm. and it makes other fish come in to try and almost like bite it, and then the anglerfish will then swallow the fish that are coming. What in to bite a that. crazy looking beast! Yeah, I know, man. Truth is, they're like body and mouth shape as well. It's like they've got this tiny, like, back end and like this massive, like, jaw. Yeah, they look pretty horrible, don't they? Mm. Like, I mean, look at that. Look at that. Oh. It's just mental, isn't it? Look at, the, look at the skeleton of one. That, yeah, like, look how big that jaw is. It's that like bottom jaw. Their body's like 85% just head. Yeah. Isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. They melt into each other and share. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, their bodies forever. It's a it's a grotesque sort of th- thought, isn't it? Hmm. But um, yeah. Let's um, let's find some more facts. That was know. crazy, man. Find some more facts, you ladies and gentlemen. Um, one thing that's really cool is some some good news on the rhino front. Um, mm. I'm sure some of you might have heard that um, white rhinos, um, unfortunately, are sort of going extinct. Um, which is I think one of the one of the sort of like saddest um sort of bits of news. In, in sort of the animal kingdom in the last sort of few decades, in my opinion, because white rhinos are the largest species of rhino left on Earth. Um, obviously, one of the last sort of big megafauna left on Earth, along with um, like elephants and giraffes, things like that. So really, really sad to think that, um, you know, that they might be dying out. But I talked a little bit about Colossal Labs in the past. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Colossal Labs that are doing this. Um, and we talked about, about Colossal Labs, and the reason we talked about them was because they are actively trying to bring back the woolly mammoths yeah. um, and the Tasmanian tiger, mm. and I think also the dodo from Extinction. Oh. And apparently they say, like, yeah, it's not a matter of, like, if, it's a matter of when. Mm. So, like, apparently so this cool. is going to happen, which is absolutely amazing, isn't it? But Colossal Labs are also basically going to try and ensure the survival of white rhinos. Um, yeah, so Colossal Labs have re- recently... Releasing an, an announcement um, uh, saying that they've been, you know, they've been documenting the story of the northern white rhinos for the past 15 years. In in uh, March 2018, Sedan, the last known male northern white rhino of the planet, had to be euthanized because of complications related to old age. It made the northern white rhino functionally extinct, as just two females, Najin and Fatu, are left. Obviously, if there's any chicks left, you know, there's no males around to mate. Since 2019, an international team of scientists from the BioRescue Project have created 29 viable embryos 
employing advanced assisted reproductive health technologies using oocytes from fatu and frozen sperm from deceased male rhinos. Mm. So they've they've got isn't that crazy? They've got frozen sperm from deceased male rhinos. Now the global consortium of scientists is enlisting help from colossal biosciences known for attempting to resurrect extinct species such as the woolly mammoth, the dodo, and the Tasmanian tiger. Together, they will work to establish a sustainable and genetically robust northern white rhino population by genome sequencing and gene editing technologies. Isn't that crazy? I tell you what, when I do hear stuff like that, because in in, uh, in general, I'm quite like an anti-technology guy. Like, as you know, I'm not really like a, a computer guy. Like, I hate it. I do enough to get by, really. And like in my personal life, I don't really have anything much to do with technology other than, like, you know, turning on my Xbox One to, like, watch, you know, mm. something on, like, Amazon Prime or Netflix mm. or something. Um, but, yeah, just, like, bare minimum stuff. But when I do hear things like that, like, that's, in my opinion, that's, like, the best use of technology. Yeah. You're like, yeah. They, they are literally going to, like, you know, essentially the white rhinos have just became extinct, uh, you know, in 2018. Obviously, there are two females left. But because you knew that they couldn't reproduce, reproduce you're like, ah, oh, the death of, like, one of the most amazing species on the planet. You and know then when they say within they a few ha- years, it's like, oh no, mm. no, actually they're just going to carry on. I wonder why they couldn't just like inseminate them rather than um, uh, like like they like they had to create these embryos to then mm. to then kind of like almost. I think put it's because into... of inbreeding. Ah, okay. So obviously, if they just tried to like, do oh, so it... they were rhinos. They, they, it wasn't sperm from white rhinos. It was sperm from u- normal white rhinos. No, no, it was sperm from white rhinos. But um, hmm. I thought you were like saying so, like why couldn't they just use the what these two these two ladies like all the time? Yeah, well, just just the two ladies, but with some actual white rhino sperm rather than uh, yeah, they have done that, just frozen white rhino sperm. Yeah, but it says about they've created these embryos. Yeah, so uh, since two thousand nineteen, you know an international I mean? team of scientists from the biosphere created. 29 viable embryos. 29 viable embryos. But I would have thought I'm, they would I'm just no, have to take the yeah, frozen think, uh, sperm and then put them in the... Yeah, but I think embryo just means like an inseminated egg. Oh. So I, th- I, th- oh, okay. I think, do you know what I mean? Oh, so, okay, it's like, so, yeah. Yeah, they, so they, they might... So they do that outside rather than, you know, you know yeah, they, they do it outside would, in the lab they probably rather than would, like actually in... They'd probably waste the sperm, wouldn't it? If they, if they, if yeah. they didn't know that it had like taken... It's probably easier and more ethical yeah. as well, don't you think? Yeah. I imagine easier and more ethical. Do you know what I mean? Because you're not having to like prod and poke so much with mm. the lady rhinos. You can just yeah. get get out of the egg, inseminate it in a lab using this like unfrozen sperm, mm. and then make mem- sure it yeah. takes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And then you can like make sure that it actually is inseminated, and then yeah. watch it grow. Yeah, because like, like, it's like, a bit of a. It, it might happen if you if you just do it kind of yeah, like for sure. I, I this doesn't say this in this article as well, but I was reading something the other day which I thought was so cool. And they were saying to make sure that they don't have the inbreeding problem, because um, obviously if they just, say, used the same male rhino, mm. it would you know, you'd have, like, all these, you know, inbred rhinos, which, like, in any species, if there's too much inbreeding, can cause massive health issues, like with, like you saw with the Egyptians and stuff, and then, you know, all these funny towns around the, the globe. Mm. But, um, yeah, they were saying that there's even, like, they're going to, like, white rhino bones, like, in... That, like museums around the world mm. and they can like take out dna from like the wow. bones That's and then crazy. manipulate it in a lab to make sure that every embryo is like genetically different different mm. so that there won't be the issue of inbreeding mm. but i was like mate that's just so clever and mm. so amazing to me you know um this is this is quite another amazing um sort of science animal related fact um harvard scientists um, for the first time, it has successfully reversed the aging process in mice by making DNA repairs. 
according wow. to the Harvard Medical School, the uh, epigenetic study was 13 years in the making and demonstrated that the reorganization and regulation of genetic structures can either accelerate or reverse effects of aging like deteriorating eyesight, smaller attention span, and skin tissue falters. After Harvard scientists successfully reversed psychological aging of mice, they sorry, physiological aging of mice, they say testing results on larger mammals or humans would be next. So this is obviously quite like a major thing, obviously uh, relatively very early on in its journey, but if they have just successfully reversed aging in mice for the first time, and now they're going to go on to eventually, you know, trying to work up the chain, try it on other animals, and then eventually humans. That's obviously quite potentially hugely groundbreaking, because what it essentially could do is, I mean, I mean, immortality. I, yeah, yeah, essentially, almost like imagine if you just had the ability to just to repair indefinitely. Imagine if you could take your grandparents to the fucking, I mean, to the doctors, <laughs> right? <laughs> to the fucking doctors, mm. and then they could just start having this sort of like treatment, and then before you know it, they just look like you. Mm. Do you know what I mean like your age? Wouldn't that be mental? Mm. You mm. know? Yeah, man. That that'd be yeah, well, yeah, like Benjamin Button style. Yeah. <laughs> just like literally imagine how weird that'd be, like you go and go around and see your grandparents, but like mm. they just they look the same age as you. And they're yeah. just like, Oh yeah, I've had that, that, that I've had that crazy that gene so sequencing done, so I'm all repaired now, so I'm yeah. thirty five again. Like, yeah, Whoa. I wonder when like that optimum age, or like whether it'd be back to that, or if you just kept, if you just kept cranking it, and it mm. would it would just make you get it would make you go younger and younger. I guess know? it depends on the level of um, like therapy you had. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because I guess Stop there. if Stop you had there like a, a bit. bit, it might de-age you like a couple of years. Yeah, just keep getting de-aged yeah. a bit. Like, <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. I mean, I've heard diff- different things in the past about like when you start deteriorating. It's surprisingly quite young. Mm. I know that, like, from the age of, I've, I've started deteriorating. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I th- I'm well, still yeah, waiting I, to fill out as I well. Think, <laughs> I think. I think even in your, yeah, I think even in your early thirties, you technically have started to deteriorate. Yeah, um, and there I, is, I'm, I'm wait, I was waiting to hit the peak, but it's yeah, already past it. Yeah, and there's like signs of deterioration as well. Um, I say deterioration obviously is a quite negative word because I mean these things aren't in, in themselves necessarily negative, but um, I mean you know I've got like some grey hairs like, oh, yeah, in my hair and my too. beard. I mean, technically, that is that is a sign of deterioration. That's like mm. your your body can no longer successfully um, like replicate um, yeah. your natural hair color. So it's essentially almost like dying, for mm. lack of a better word. So your hair's going like uh, like grey or mm. silver, you know. Um, so that's 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 like a sign. Obviously, wrinkles are a mm. sign of like your skin deteriorating. Mm. Your skin obviously should be like uh, you know like how you were when you were thirteen, mm. smooth and everything. Wrinkles are a sign of deterioration. I know that from the age of like forty onwards for men. On average, men lose one percent of testosterone mm. a year, which at first doesn't sound like a lot. But if you make it, if you're l- one of those lucky guys that makes it to eighty, think you've got forty percent less testosterone than you did when you were forty. Mm. That's a hell mm. of a lot, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. hell of a lot. Yeah, it, ma- it makes me think of the the stem cell uh, stuff as well mm. that's going on because that that's supposed to like really be able to heal certain yeah. parts that normally your body couldn't be able to. So it's a yeah. different technology, but almost similar in the way that it's yeah. just such pure cells. Taking like stem cells from your body to like repair mad, mad injuries. Yeah. Mm, shoulders and stuff. Yeah. I think it does have sort of like a limit. Like I think once people do ah, have okay. get like a, like, you know, like I think, um, like funnily enough, um, they were talking about, I would listen to a Joe Rogan podcast recently and he had Kurt Angle on, you know, mm. like the guy that was the wrestler and he was like a WWE wrestler but he was also like an Olympic gold medalist, like a legit Olympic gold medalist. He won, um, you know, for wrestling in the Olympics. And, um, you know, he, he was saying, you know, uh, you know, he broke his neck. He won an Olympic gold medal with a broken neck. 
and he broke his neck, I think, twice as well in his pro wrestling career. Um, crazy that he's even still like walking around and functioning. Like, he did say that his like that he has had obviously issues from it, whether it's just like pain in general. And he also said that like his like arms have like atrophied from it. Mm. So he said like his arms when he was younger used to be like inches bigger than they are now, but because like the nerves, obviously your 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 neck is so like intric- intricately involved in like your nervous system, your nerves, uh, all that stuff. He said essentially like the nerves that go from his neck down to his arms are like a bit screwed essentially. Mm. So as a result, he can't get those like muscle signals. So like, obviously, say when you work out and you do say like some bicep curls, your biceps like sending like signals up through your nervous system, and then your body, your brain can like send them back down, like to send nutrients there to make them bigger. If you're sending that stimulus to say like basically we're doing stuff that re- requires our, our biceps to be bigger, mm. but because they essentially those, Cutting those the communication yeah, yeah it's cut off. So he said that you know his arms are like have like withered, um, and he said that like sometimes he just can't feel his fingers. Whoa. Like he can use his hands, but he said that he'll get like almost like mad pins and needles in his fingers, yeah. and like he say he was, he'll like wake up sometimes and he can't feel his fingers, mm. you know things like that. Um, yeah, man, like poor guy, you know. Yeah, but um, I guess at the same time, it's like you know he pushed his body like harder than ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people like ever that ever live on the on the planet, and unfortunately, like you know, in a way, rather than thinking like poor guy, I guess you could say like yeah, a lot of people that are just full on paralyzed, whereas he, you know, at least he can still walk around. He yeah. still works out. He can still walk around, you know, he's functioning. It's just he's got, but he has got these like physical mm. problems. It is mad. Like when I, I cut the, cut my finger, like right, really deep, right on the end here. And just this whole part of my finger is just always numb now. Yeah, just severed your nerve. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's nerve, yeah. so weird to just think for like the rest of my life. I'm because I, but the only bit I notice it is when I'm playing guitar, like um, finger picking. It's like the end of this finger, so I've got kind of really not mm. any feeling in it anymore. Mm. That's the only like thing that I've noticed with it really in in just like a practical sense. But it is it is strange that these things can happen to your body that you've been used to for absolute years, and then you just yeah. Nope, no feet in there anymore. <laughs> yeah, it is really weird, isn't it? it is yeah, really just weird. from cutting a nerve. Yeah, but I mean, Joe was talking to Kurt and stuff, and he was like, have you had stem cell treatment like down on your neck and stuff? And he was like, yeah. He was like, I have, but I think it's just like, I mean, when you've had like three broken necks and stuff like that, I guess there's only like so there much. There is a limit to it. Who knows? It might have helped him a bit. I don't mm. know. But he said that, you know, he, yeah, just sort of like didn't help him out that much. Yeah, he would get the best stuff available, you yeah. can imagine. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it seems to work really well for things like bad knees, mm, joints and bad and elbows and stuff like that. But I don't shoulders. know, like, obviously, like, broken necks is, like, a very high level of injury, isn't it? You know, it's, like, pretty freaking savage, man. So, mm. yeah, in a way, I'm not, like, I'm not too surprised that it didn't, like, fully mend it. That would be, like, amazing, wouldn't it, if it did? Mm. I know that there's, like, all these different things that you can get done nowadays, like, um, there's different types of like disc replacements, and I know that some people have like rubber ones, which I could imagine would be quite nice because mm. like, some people get, I think, like I'm not 100 percent sure if it's but, like titanium disc replacements, yeah. and, that, and I can imagine that'd be quite horrible. Mm. Imagine how just like almost like, brittle and hard that is, and your discs themselves are designed to be quite spongy. Mm. I, I could imagine like a rubber one would be mm. quite almost yeah. like, mimic that and yeah. feel quite nice, but you could imagine like a titanium one or something mm. like that would just be really horrible. I always find it um, confusing as well how mm. you can have like foreign objects in your body, but mm. generally a lot of the time, if you do have a foreign object in your body, your body will reject it, yeah. and then it'll it'll you'll get like all proper like thing around that area, like infections and stuff. But yeah, yeah. Since like for for a lot of things, it obviously just doesn't. It just goes, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, it was like my great uncle Bill, like when he was cremated, um, my uh, my sort of second cousins and stuff um, were like passed like a bag. Of like, and I can't remember what it was. It was like shrapnel. Yeah, it was like a bag. It was like a bag of shrapnel essentially, and it was like it was basically like 
bits of bullets and bits of shrapnel that had been in his body since World War Two. That is crazy. Because he was a Royal Marine during the Second World War. Um, yeah, it was only last year he passed away as well, so we left at like a really long age. I think he was 96, I think, when he passed away. Rest in peace, Bill. Um, but yeah, he served as a Royal Marine during the Second World War, and obviously he served like a lot of active combat. Mm. And he, they literally passed. I can't remember. They told me how many um, like ounces of of um, like lead. Yeah, or just metal essentially. Mm. But he think he'd been walking around since 1945 without <laughs> a system, and like he died in 2022. Mm. So he died in 2022, and since 1945, yeah. he'd been walking around with like just loads of metal in his body. That is crazy, isn't it? You would have thought that would have caused him more health complications, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. Because apparently, like he never complained of anything. Do you know what I mean? But like, you think having all these like sharp little bits of metal in your body would have like mm. screwed you up a bit. Mm. Yeah, crazy man. And also give you maybe some like toxic metal poisoning as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you would think that, wouldn't you? I guess it depends on the type of of uh, metal mm. and stuff like that. And also, I just think some people are really jammy, aren't they? Like, you know, you hear that sometimes people live to a hundred, even though they smoke like fags every day and stuff. Yeah. But it's like literally smoking is like the worst thing you can possibly do for your body, like for your health. Like pretty much, like mm. they, you know, I've heard said like many times, like. If, if if like doctors not had to say like the worst thing for you it's like it's mm. smoking like it literally just like messes you up it's crazy when you look at your lungs as well and all like the pockets and capillaries and yeah. just uh, like Filled the whole tar and everything yeah just all of that it, it's such a beautiful thing really like mm. it's almost like mushroom mycelium or something it when should you be all like it's... red and yeah yeah rather than just brown and yellow and ugh, yeah <laughs> ganky and oh horrible isn't it um yeah, uh, let's talk about population sizes, um, oh. just to finish off the first hour. Um, let's talk about the ten top 10 countries with the highest estimated populations. Africa. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is estimated populations for 2100, by the way. So oh, not right now. Okay. So in about like 80 years' time, it says estimated China. populations. Quite an interesting way of doing it. I don't know necessarily why it was done this way. Um, we keep going like this this will be what it's like <laughs> but the source is the UN um, so it's like a highly you know highly sort of you know uh, sort of reputable. valid source yeah reputable source yeah so number 10 is Egypt the estimated population oh. size will be 225 million to me that was like a surprise right off the right off the, mm. the right out of the gate I didn't think that e- Egypt necessarily would um, would be like you know one of the biggest highly populated planets sorry countries on the planet um the second one to me number nine as well is also quite surprising tanzania wouldn't have thought of that okay. they reckon that the population size would be uh, estimated at 286 million in uh, 2100 eight to me another surprising one ethiopia with an estimated population of 294 million i guess it's just like and this is going to sound like a funny thing to say i guess it's like a, Africa is a big place and there's like a lot of Africans. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I would say Africa is the most populated in, in the world right now, maybe. Asia. Asia, Asia. Oh, yeah, right, Asia. Yeah, China. Um, India is the number one, I think. Ah, okay. China, number two, I think. Um, estimated population. Uh, so, so number seven coming in is Indonesia with an estimated population mm. of 321 million. Uh, number six, the Democratic Republic of the Congo. 362 oh. million. Say so a lot of these are pretty much all of these are either African or or Asian. Mm. I'm not even sure if there's a single one which is like European or American. Mm. Number five, Pakistan, 403 million. Oh yeah, sorry, there is a, a Western country. So the United States apparently they reckon will be in number four with a population of 434 million. Number three, Nigeria. 
with an estimated population of 733 million. China, number two. This suddenly gets like massively way more. Number two, they reckon China with an estimated population of 1.065 billion. And number one, India with an estimated population of 1.450 billion. Damn, son! So basically 400 million even more than China. Whoa. I think that's one of the reasons why like, I respect a lot like um, Indian culture and their heritage because obviously they have mad like history and stuff going back and you know some of their ancient temples and stuff look fascinating and their old sort of you know their old religions like um, Hinduism and stuff is very fascinating with all their different gods and mm. goddesses like Kali and all of that and Ganesh and Buddha and I know obviously Buddha's like you know obviously part of Buddhism not of like Hinduism and stuff but you know still um part of that sort of like Asian sort of like mythos and stuff and I find it very very fascinating um, and I love like Indian food and I think that like you know a lot of um, I, at least you know like a lot of Indian people that I meet in, in the UK seems to like be very like sort of like polite and, and very nice people but at the same time I I don't really have much interest to like uh, or I do have interest to go to India but I wouldn't want to live in India I should mm. say I just think you know when you hear about how crazily overpopulated it is and there's like quite a lot of disease there mm. And stuff, isn't there? There's just like a lot of... And it's like so... Over- Delhi belly. Yeah, Delhi <laughs> belly. And you can get... And it's just like so overpopulated in some areas and stuff that it's almost mm. just like these horrible like rat colonies, it seems like. Uh, and I just think for anybody that like values their space and their like freedom and their and their privacy in a bit, like that's just like... Oh, it's just like horrible. Yeah, yeah. I definitely love to see it one day and um and and just go and experience some of the such a massive shift in culture, like to the yeah, the like, as I said, the west. But uh, lovely I, food, I was watching this culture. thing the other day, and and this and the guy is this guru guy, and he was saying Guru-Nama. that um that like uh <laughs> Ravi Shankar or something, mm. and 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 he was saying um that that like India was like the the, the peak of like wisdom mm, and mm, and and mm. like. Uh, education and stuff yeah, for a time yeah, in yeah. history and yeah. I was like oh, that's really interesting that's what I mean like I really respect that do you know what I mean like, like culture like the the architecture of some of those old buildings their, mm. their, their mythology like there's so much about it which is beautifully and inspiring and, and even like their clothes do you know what I mean like the mm. silks and stuff fascinating and like Indian food is very colourful isn't it yeah and like, Indian food's delicious man oh, you know man, like yeah. you know absolutely oh. delicious you know but um yeah, just like crazy, crazy um, in terms of their population size and stuff. But anyway, we're going to run up the first hour there, guys. Um, cheers, for, cheers for chilling with us this evening. You are listening to Pandora's Box. We shall be back shortly with more shenanigans. You will open Pandora's Box many times in your life. No, we probably really shouldn't open that box. Look, I've got one rule here. here. Oh. Welcome back to Moody Noir edition of Pandora's Ooh. Box. We are in black and white today. We just thought we'd try it out. We just thought it'd be quite yeah, fun. Why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? We love you, Jocko. Yeah, man. <laughs> Inspired by Jocko Willink. You know? It's funny because you know you said about the light from above. Mm. It's pretty much the same situation with you. So like you Good. can just see it's a bit shining on your head a bit and then like your eyes. My my heavy set brow. Yeah. Casting shadows. Heavy set. Where my eyelids should be <laughs> yeah do you want to um do you want to hear a nice little quote from epicurus epicurus sounds mm. greek a, a stoic he mm. was a stoic philosopher do not spoil what you have by desiring what you have not remember that what you now have was once among the things you only hoped for 
That's a nice little thing, isn't it? Nice. Do you want to do you want to think? Do you want to know something? I think it's like fascinating that happens sometimes um, in nature and in evolution. Do you know that uh, sometimes animals die out and then they don't get brought back to life in the same way that we were talking about, say, with like the white rhinos earlier on, but that they re-evolve. They re-evolve. They re-evolve. Oh wow! So something else evolves into them. Whoa! And I guess the idea behind that is is everything in nature fills a niche. Mm. you know feels like a category yeah so once it's taken out of a category there's always the chance there's a space for it there's a space so there's always a chance that something else it's gonna feel might just <laughs> evolve into whatever that was yeah and that's been witnessed like several times throughout like the history mm. i know that essentially like what we think of as the mole mm. has like re-evolved like several times over the course of history isn't that mad mm. so like whatever was the original mole <laughs> it looked pretty much like a modern mole mm. but then it died out and then something else just evolved into the mole. That is cool, man. That's crazy, isn't it? Um, and yeah, that's just um, just reading an interesting thing about um, an extinct bird um, species has re-evolved itself back into existence after twenty thousand years. So literally, um, archaeologists and you know uh, zoologists and stuff have had these like bones and had documented this this bird that lived twenty thousand years ago. Um, and they've just found this 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 bird that essentially is like it's the same thing. They documented mm. the evolution of of something that has basically re-evolved. Um, it goes on to say, a once extinct um, bird species has re-evolved itself into existence and returned to the island it once colonised thousands of years ago. Researchers say the Aldabra rail, named after the Aldabra atoll it inhabits in the seashells, is the last surviving native flightless bird in the Indian Ocean region. It is a descendant of the flying white. Th- throated rail that is believed to have lost its ability to fly because the lack of predators made it unnecessary mm. so um yeah if you want to if you want to look up that bird it's called the aldabra rail that's a l d a b r a space rail r a i l mm. um very interesting isn't it it'd be interesting to think of like the rate of evolution in different things like if if it can be like sped up or slowed down because it'll obviously be so it, mm. everything's on its own mm. its own journey yeah yeah but yeah. like um how how fast in the right conditions something could evolve you know and if we could yeah. see it within i think um i, I i'm not 100 percent sure but i think it's actually v- fairly quickly mm. i think if there's like the, the extreme pressure mm. and i think you know i think we've talked about it before like you can see almost early onset um, examples of evolution. Like, so even say in, in human beings, like if you play guitar all the time, yeah, what are you going to have? Adapt- I was just singing that, yeah. like that, the adaptability of your yeah. body to change. Your body will start giving you thicker fingers. Mm-hmm. And like we know about, say, um, like horses, we know that they used to have, um, we, they didn't used to have hooves like they do, mm. but ho- horses evolved in North America. And and the climate they evolved on was like lots of like hard plains, so like mm. plains but with lots of like rocks and and, and oh, things like sticking up. Getting the what? Oh, getting the was, oh no, I was thinking the, the the zebra stripes. Oh, that was that's an example of when you re-release certain animals into ah. the wild, they will they will like for some reason like take on uh, certain traits. But yeah, that is that is a thing. There are there are horse, horses in North America that are starting to for some reason and. and as far as I'm aware, stripes. as far as I'm aware, like zoologists, scientists, scientists don't even know, but they're like yeah. developing zebra stripes. Yeah. Like, isn't that mad? Because we don't even know what the evolutionary advantages of having zebra stripes mm. is, really. I mean, you could say like potentially it's for like sort of camouflage, but to me, if I see a look at look at look at a lion in an African climate, I can see okay, yeah, that's that's really good camouflage. Mm. Same with like a cheetah or something like that. It's to almost me, like a zebra is like to shock. 
Yeah, <laughs> to me, it's like a white and bl- with black stripes. Like that doesn't really fit in in, in like a very in a very beige background. Which mm. let's face it, Africa is. It's very beige, isn't it? Mm. Lots of lots of like browns and yellows. It's and very like, vibrant. Is the, yeah. is the is the is the black and white, isn't it? Yeah, it's just like whoa, sticks out quite strongly, doesn't yeah. it? But yeah, that 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 is a very interesting point. But yeah, the horses evolved um, in North America, and their their ancestors used to have much softer feet. They didn't have hooves like they are today. But that what essentially is is their feet kept kept calcifying. Think about as an extremely active person, or, or even anybody, obviously, over the course of their life. Say when you're when you're forty, mm. say your feet will be a lot more. Um, you know, calloused mm. than it is when you're a kid. We all yeah. remember what it's like when you're. I think all of us probably have memories of being like a little kid, and your feet are really smooth. And you say, like, you look at your dad's feet, and you're like, man, my dad's feet is like super, like, <laughs> you know, like really just like thick skin, and it's all like white and and mm. like even in some cases, where like people that do like a lot of sport and have done a lot of activity and stuff, they like start getting cracked, and you have to mm. go and see a chiropodist because mm. you need to almost like even have your your feet sorted out and stuff like that. And um, even those parts of your hand there, like the top part, like when 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 you when do like a lot of weights or something, or you're like a builder you those, or something, yeah. yeah, you get these calluses, like, uh, and they are like almost like the pads of your your feet, almost. Yeah. If you were still, so I guess that's around. like what happened originally with horses. But then imagine if it just happened non-stop, yeah, and then eventually it would just turn into imagine just you, like your hands. fingers would just go <laughs> imagine shorter just, and shorter and shorter and just become callusy stumps. Imagine if the all these weightlifters just had hooves, yeah, for hands, <laughs> just like. I was thinking that with the Callous Fingers, the guitarist, yeah. like you got guitarists play so much that they just they just grow with like full on like yeah. calloused fingers. That'd be so cool. But um, and this is sort of like the idea behind eugenics, isn't it? Like if you did, I, like theoretically, mate, say like a female weightlifter and a male weightlifter, and then their children were weightlifters, and they mated them with other weightlifters. And if you did that, you could essentially make a, 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 a like a, su- a subspecies of super hard-handed people. Yeah, which is hot, weird <laughs> thought, isn't it? Because obviously, like Hitler, for example, the Nazis were quite into their eugenics, and the whole idea mm. is they wanted, like you know, the the, the Aryan race. Say, yeah. and as I've said, I, I think I've said it before. It's quite ironic, really, because Hitler didn't really have any traits of what he considered like yeah. an Aryan. Yeah, he wanted. He, he thought like you know, like six foot four, blonde, blue eyes, sort of like muscular. I mean, obviously Hitler was none of those things. He had mm. dark hair, brown eyes. Um, I don't think he was short, but he wasn't particularly tall. I've never looked into it so much, but like, why he even thought that? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I think he's just. I think he almost just like romanticized, almost like the, the, the thought of, of a like a classic European. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But not even like European, because obviously like there's lots of Slavic countries in Europe, like not like Germanic people, I should say. Mm. And obviously the Germanic people, there's lots of things that could fall under the Germanic people. So even like Scandinavians, they are technically Germanic people. Mm. Anglo's, so us, essentially English people, we are considered Germanic peoples, you know, um, which obviously separates us a little bit. I mean, obviously not necessarily me and you. We have we have mixtures of we have I have like Scottish and I, I, Irish in me. I know that you have lots of Scottish in you, but. Um, the Celtic peoples obviously are like Pictish, Celtic, mm. you know, Pictish, Celtic sort of DNA. Whereas like the the English, one of the reasons why there's obviously been friction historically between say like Scotland and Wales and Ireland and and, and England, is because you know the England uh, uh, Germanic peoples that came mm. over after the Roman occupation. There was almost like a void that 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 was sort of left from the Romans pulling out their legions and stuff back to Rome at the fall of the Roman Empire, and then essentially what are now known as sort of Anglo-Saxons, came across in their boats a little bit the same way that hundreds, you know, 500 years later, um, the Vikings started doing it as well. Mm. But um, Anglo-Saxons started coming over and they settled in in, in England. Um, and obviously England obviously even, even gets its name, like um, Land of the Angles, Angle Land, and then that became England, like mm. lands of the Angles and the Saxons. But there was, there was, the, uh, there was a... Um, uh, some some other little groups of people as well. It wasn't just Angles and Saxons, but those were like the main groups. There were Jutes as well, Angles, Saxons, and Jutes. Mm. 
but they all essentially came from either what is now a days um, either the Netherlands, uh, certain places of Germany, and certain places of Denmark. Those are where all those different tribes came from, and they just basically inhabited England. The Angles, like that. The Angles, the Saxons, mm. and the Jutes. They all come from uh, basically what is modern day Denmark, mm. Germany, and the Netherlands. Because so, if you look at it on the map, it's sort of like the Netherlands is here, Germany is here, and Denmark's here. Yeah. So it's all like the so same. So I think stretch. of them as like Viking, and I know Vikings came later, but did did, did Viking culture like form out of Angle culture then? Or so like? they had the same gods ah, and cool. stuff like that. So so as 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 you're yeah, so Danes, oh, mm. you would you would associate with being Vikings, wouldn't mm. you? Mm. But as I said, Scandinavian people are technically Germanic peoples. Mm. They're like almost like a subgroup of of um, of Germanic peoples. Do you know what? I can probably even find almost like a nice little tree or something. What I'm surprised like, at is that is that the Angle Anglo-Saxon culture wasn't more similar to uh, the Vikings. It that was. Were coming out. It was. So, so so in my in my head, it's quite different. You know, like when you yeah, just because of how it's been portrayed on like uh, TV and stuff. I like can that. explain why that is. Mm. Um, did the, they develop into their own thing in England once they'd got over here? Like, so, look, so this, this is, this is. Sorry to. Oh, this looks a real nice, pretty one. So we'll look at this one because we like pretty things. Mm-hmm. So, um, let me see if I can find where this. Uh, God, I wish it was just like here straight away. Um, so obviously, when the the Angles and the Saxons and the Jutes they came over, they settled in the UK. Um, they, they, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a mystery to, to historians, but we obviously know that they settled in a very Romano-British culture. So mm. obviously at the time, the Romans had just pulled out. Um, and let's see if we can... Yeah, let's just let's see if we can do this or something. I don't know. Oh, it's not mm. working. Um, sorry, guys. Give me a second. Um, I don't want... I just want to, like, save the image or something. Yeah, save image as. Try that. See. Um, open it and see what happens. Germo. Where should I save it to? A desktop, just so yeah. I can find it nice and easy. Um, yeah, so I'll, expl- I'll try and explain in a minute, like why. It's oh, go away! Go away! Go away for God's sake! I just want to see Germo. <laughs> Close X X exit all exit all. Where's Germo? Um, where is Germo? Oh, Sorry. oh, oh there it is. Germo. Photos, yeah, I'll paint this. Right, so let's look at this little graph. Oh, it's a bit crap, really. Let's try and magnify it a little bit. Yeah. Right, so let's have a look. So this is a this is a of a um, little family tree, I guess, of of European cultures. So we start off with Indo-European, and we see it branches off into Indo-Iranian and European. So this is where we start branching off from, yeah, people that live in a sort of like you know. Um, you know, you can see Ram. Bengali, you see Hindi, Urdu, um, Persian, Punjabi. Mm. So obviously all of these people and the Indo-Iranian tree are more closely related than obviously the people in the Euro- European tree. Um, if you go back far enough, obviously we were just one people. Of course we were. Um, we started then branching off into European. So then you see, look, you see Celtic and you see here uh, Gaelic, Welsh, Cornish. Um, can't quite make out what that is. You have, um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it would be that, but yeah, you have Albanian here, which is quite interesting. You have the Slavic people, um, which is obviously, yeah, Russians, Polish people, Czech people, they're all Slavic. Um, you have the Italic um, people, which are as, you know, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, um, obviously most people know this. And then you go into the Germanic, um, oh, you also have the Hellenic, which is Greek here, 
Um, quite interesting, isn't it, the Greek? Because they're rather their own nice little subplot. Very neat. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like Hellenic, Greek. And mm. Greek people themselves even look quite interesting. Like, in terms of where they are geographically, they're further away, say, than, than from England than Italy or Spain. Mm. But I would say um, sometimes, not always, but Greek people can sometimes almost look pa- quite pale. And, and like blue mm. eyes is not, say, like unpopular, you know, or, or uncommon in Greece. And you know, I've been to Greece several times in my life. Lots of sort of blue-eyed mm. and pale-skinned people. Maybe not pale. Obviously, they're raw of skin because they live in a hotter country. But do you know what I mean? Like you can tell mm. if it wasn't for that sun stimulus, mm. they would basically be pale. You know. Um, and what is it? What's the one before Hellenic? Hellenic, yeah. Hellenic. So, Hellenic people. So Hellenic. Mm. You know the same way that you would say like that. So this is Germanic. This is Slavic. Mm. That's Hellenic. But it basically just means Greek. So if you go down the Germanic tree, which is what we were talking about, it, um, you have like you know yeah. So you have North Germanic. So you have Icelandic. Um, Faroese, you have West Germanic. Um, oh, what is this? So you have High German, which is like German, you know, literally just like German and stuff. Then you have, I can't read what that says, but that goes down into like Dutch, um, Flemish. Um, I can't make out what that says. And then you have Anglo, um, I think it says Anglo Frisian, I think, which is obviously us, mm. the English. So um, all the Scandies. You know, um, English people, German, all I like of that. I like how they put our bit, our bit of the biggest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, that's so that's wise. yeah, yeah. So it's quite interesting, that is isn't it? So cool. It's very that interesting. It's, really it's a shame cool. it's quite blurry because there's yeah. obviously like, there's certain little things I can't quite make out. But very, very interesting, isn't it? Apparently, Flemish is the um, is the language closest to English. Is it? That's what. Yeah, your old man was saying on on his show the other day. Yeah. Is and it I really? Like, what? Yeah, I was like, I don't, I don't know why. Well, I, if he said that, then I assume that he's right. Um, I know that there's some interesting, there's, there's other little interesting um, sort of um, speech and language related facts. Like I know that um, out of all what you would say, you know, the Italic people, um, you know, the people that are sort of like descended, I guess, from people that were to do with like the Roman Empire and things like that. I know that um, apparently Romanian is the closest to Latin. Mm. So none of them are particularly close to Latin. You'd obviously think... You would mm. think in your head, wouldn't you, that Italian would be the closest because, yeah. like, Italy. I mean, where is Rome, mm. which was literally the freaking capital of the Roman Empire? It's in Italy, but yeah, apparently Romanian. Um, but obviously, the name Romanian comes from Roman, you mm. know, like Romanian. Um, and obviously, you know, Spanish people. Um, you know, there were several, say, like popes mm. that were like Spanish over the years. I think the Borgias, who were very, very famous popes, um, like Cesare Borgia. Um, and his father, who I can't quite remember the name of, but you know they were they were like Spanish, so a lot of Spaniards had a lot to do with, with sort of like you know um, Rome and stuff like that. And as I said, I considered you know Italic people, and as you see, even like French, even French, even though they're almost like on, on their own little branch, so they are considered slightly separate from like the Spanish and the Portuguese and the Italians. You know, the French are also considered far more in common, say, with a Spaniard than they would do with say us as an English mm. person. You know. Mm. Um, yeah, very interesting, though, isn't it? But yeah, the reason why by the time uh, the, the the Vikings invaded, the reason why they were the fairly different, so different from Saxons, you got to bear in mind that they, they still had big similarities. Like, apparently, even though they had different languages, apparently Saxons and Vikings could pretty much communicate. Mm. So when, say, like, Ragnar Lothbrok and that, you know, landed, like... Obviously, historically, is there's often like a big emphasis on on like the raids and the battles, but they all, they did trade with each other as well, and they could speak to each other enough that they could trade. Bear in mind, these were people that had like never met. Mm. As far as the Danes and but the and because the of Nor- their shared 
culture. Yeah. Like essentially like what was like Saxon Cultural language. Heritage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like old English or like Saxon language, whatever you want to call it, like old English we would call it, was like pretty similar to to uh to wow. old Norse. And if you listen you could I tell you what, I've even listened to it before because I, I actually think it's a very fascinating subject. You can go on YouTube with like experts in 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 language and they compare Saxon and Viking dialogue and you can sort of tell. I'll try and find a little clip in a minute. But um so think about it this way. So the easiest way to think about it is when the Saxons and the Jutes and, and everything and the Angles first arrived in in what is nowadays the UK, they would have had a lot more in common with the Vikings than they did by the time the Vikings came. It's because obviously what, what happens is it's like uh, like they you end up absorbing the culture, mm. sort of whether you mean to or not, don't you, of where mm. you move to. So think they'd move to these places. The Romans have moved out. There's a lot of what were called Romano-British people left over. So people that weren't ever from Rome, they were brought up in Britain and they had mostly the genetics of of uh, you know britons mm. ancient britons but they were uh, uh, you know already we had places like we you know had big roman towns places mm. like bath sirencester londinium which obviously originally was a roman settlement obviously it's nowadays just london there's lots and lots of places in england that were built by the Romans. Mm. So then they had, you know, Roman baths. Like, you, you know, you go to the freaking Roman baths in Bath. It's built by the Romans. It's still there. Mad, so the Saxons came in. They settled all these places. They were amazed by them. Obviously, they came from a more sort of like, yeah, Vikingish culture, Germanic culture, where it was a lot less like nowhere near as technologically developed. Um, I don't think they even had like writing and stuff. But because there was lots of scriptures and stuff like that in in uh, England, they were obviously fascinated by them. Mm. And what ended up happening is, um, for one reason or another, I can't, I can't remember the specifics, they ended up, you know, their trade routes, they they kept the same trade routes that, say, the Romans would have had while they were occupying Britain. So they had, like, regular communication with the European, the major, you know, big European continent. So um, eventually, you know, uh, the Angles and, and the, the Saxons and the Jutes and that, they took on christianity mm. so when they first came over it, their 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 god would have been uh woden which mm. is essentially odin you know so all of their and and obviously in england today we have like thursday it's like thor's, thor's day. day yeah and that's that's like you know so friday freya's day yeah so we do that's left over from our saxon from the mm. saxons being pagan but then most of them converted to christianity um um, so obviously that was a big difference between the Vikings and the Saxons because by the time the Vikings came over, obviously the Saxons and stuff were all, were all Christian. But when they first came into the UK, they would have been pagan and believed the same things that the Vikings believed. Obviously they became a bit more like educated scholarly. So um, by the time the Vikings came over, obviously like it was uh, not everybody, obviously, but if you were say like a well-off Saxon, mm. you could like read and write. Um, a lot of the monks and stuff had gone pil- pilgrimages to Rome. Um, so they obviously they had a lot more like and they would have had a lot more like interesting like hardware if you know what I mean because obviously they were trading with multiple countries mm. so they were trading as far as like Rome maybe even further so they would have had obviously the Vikings where they were a more insular nation they were just sort of unless you could find it in Norway or Denmark or Sweden you probably wouldn't have it mm. you know um, not until they started you know really opening up their trade routes and obviously which obviously started happening after they found England and Normandy and places like that Monday Normandy um, but before then, you know, it was almost like, well, if you can't find it in Norway, mm. we ain't going to have it. Whereas, you know, yeah, the Saxon people, say, living in, like, say, 700 AD, they would have had stuff there from Rome. Mm. They would have had stuff there from France, you know, stuff there from Spain, because they had those trade routes. Yeah. And I know that one of the things the Vikings most valued when they came over was the quality of the Saxon steel, and, like, swords were better 
than the quality of the Viking ones. And obviously, as the Vikings were a big warrior culture, they really valued that. So you can find lots of... Um, uh, and, and archaeologists and historians can tell because there are slight differences, even though the swords are like pretty much the same. There's small differences in the way that, like I say, like a Saxon would make a sword and a Viking would make a sword that um, archaeologists can tell that, like, say, swords that are found dug up in, like, Sweden or Norway from, like, Viking... And they're, like, Viking sites. They can tell that they would have been either taken or traded with from, say, like, the UK. Mm. Or in some cases, like, um, yeah, like, Normandy, like, modern-day Normandy, you know, France, places like that, because they're very, very similar swords, just slight differences. Mm. In general, it's almost like... It's almost like a stylish thing. You Obviously, you see that. I mean, today, you know what I mean? You go to, like, a country and you'll see certain styles more than in others. Mm. It's just popular, isn't it? It's like... For some reason, in like the Saxon swords and the swords from sort of like northern France, it was more likely to almost to have like, um, and the, cr- the cross guard would have more likely to have been curved like that, whereas the Vikings used to just make them straight. So they're pretty much identical other than things like that. But the, the quality of the blade itself would have been a bit better in, 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 places, like, in, in places like England. Probably just because, obviously, like places like Rome would have, you know, the history they had of just forging weapons and stuff. I expect they just had little secrets and stuff that the that the English people would have been let in on mm. on like how to make just better swords, like harder swords and stuff like that. But interesting, isn't it? Yeah, man. Where do you reckon in the world, uh, or or do you know where the 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 highest quality swords came from? Was it was it like England? Were they I'm like not leader sure. of the technology? I'm not sure. Like I mean, obviously, one country that comes to mind is like you know Japan. They were like really oh, big. Oh yeah, yeah. And they sort yeah. of used to like fold. I can't yeah, remember the exact the name. Samurai like swords and stuff. Uh, Damascus yeah. steel mm. is obviously a very very um, highly thought of steel. Um, which I assume comes from Damascus. Mm. <laughs> you know, it would make sense, wouldn't it? Damascus steel is very interesting, and it's usually got a very pretty pattern. Can you think mm. of the Damascus steel? Mm. Usually has yeah. almost like a smoky, yeah, like yeah. like pattern, and it's a very it's a very like sort of beautiful blade. But Valerian, it's a, <laughs> Valerian steel. <laughs> it's a very like highly thought of quality, isn't it? Like Damascus steel. But um, yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I think probably um, by the time you would have say gotten to like 1000 AD. Mm. It's I don't know who would have had like the best quality mm. swords in in the mm. world at that time. I mean, to be honest, it's probably up for debate. It's probably not like a black and white answer. But do you know what? Just for um, just for fun, I'm going to type it in to Google who had the most high quality swords in the year 1000, and I'm just going to see what it says because I think it obviously it would really depend on on the century mm. who had because the obviously the samurai in that came a bit later than 1000 AD. Oh really? Yeah, I don't even know if the samurai were around in those days. Do you know what I mean? So it's like. I don't. I don't know. Maybe their sort of like advancements in steel came later. Mm. Who who had the best steel in one thousand AD? One of the most famous steels produced in the medieval Near East was Damascus steel, used for sword making, and mostly produced in Damascus, Syria, for in the period from nine hundred to seventeen fifty. This was produced using the crucible steel method, based on the earlier Indian Wootz steel. Huh. Mm, so maybe Damascus steel. Yeah. Maybe Damascus steel then. Yeah. Who had the best steel in ancient times? Pretty much what's the strongest, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like, strongest if metal. you just, like, kept... If you'd say yeah. the two nations went to war, whose swords would break first? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like... Oh, wait, let's have a look. It says, in the Middle Ages, it says it says the best steel came from southern India, which was known as Wootz. Wootz. For nearly 2,000 years, it was exported all over the world from China to Scandinavia. Wow. Until production ceased around 1700 and the secret of making it was lost. Whoa. Oh, what? So we don't even know anymore? That's mad. <laughs> yeah, like it seems like this wood steel has a lot. That this layered forging method yields what is known as pattern wielded Damascus. And this is the type of Damascus still made today. However, centuries ago, it wasn't 
known as Woots steel, and it was some of the finest steel in the world. Wow, that's mad. That I, I, I don't think that. I've ever heard of Woots steel before. I'll have to look into that before. Yeah, that sounds well cool. Yeah, you see, like, you know what Woots I was trying to steel. say about like a, a straight crossguard? Yeah. So that's like a Viking crossguard. Um, and that, quite quite small as well. Yeah, but that's the Saxons was quite small as well. Ah, but yeah. that's what they see. Um, you see in like a crossguard like this would be considered like a more technologically advanced one because what do you what what do you want out of a crossguard? It to protect your fingers and your wrists. Exactly. Mm. So if you've got like a long crossguard like that, if I was having a sword fight with you and I had this, mm. it's very hard for you to hurt my hand because if the swords clash and your sword runs down there, it's going to hit this. Mm. And even with this, this has got quite a fancy one as well because this has got a wrap around as well, which makes my hands even more safe. Whereas if you just have a small cross guard, it could go down there, mm. go across the cross guard, and then chop off my fingers, mm. you know? It's like those saber kind of looking swords as well, where they've got the, almost like a like like a dome around your hand. Yeah. yeah. That was pretty crazy. Like, uh, yeah, yes. It's consider- I'm pretty sure it is still considered like a, a cross guard. It might have a slightly different name. But yeah, yeah. see, the idea is, is that as the centuries went on, you know, blacksmiths would be thinking more. How are we going to protect these hands? How, how can we improve the design of this? Yeah. It's like R&D, isn't it? Yeah. It's, you know I mean, it's literally, it's like, how can you improve the design? <laughs> it's like, look, too many of our guys getting our fingers chopped off. Okay, let's make a bigger cross guard. After a while, it's like, okay, well, there's still like ways that you can get hurt doing this. So rather than making it like a, just a really long cross guard, like you see in medieval swords, which would mm. just say being like two, 300 years after the Viking period, then by the time you get to the Renaissance period, you start seeing songs, yeah, swords with big wraparounds. Mm. And by the time you get to say like the Napoleonic era war, it was standard. You know, mm. all swords would have had that style, you know, wrapped around. So your hand would have been safe in your mm. sword. So there wasn't that risk of getting your hand like incapacitated. Like it's that. like how good it feels when you put like a like, like a pair of gardening gloves on and you can just grab anything and rip it out. Yeah, rather I love than that. like yeah. rather than being like, oh <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's quite similar, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Quite cool, man. Let nice. me have a look. I'll type in like Saxon versus Viking ste- uh, or swords, sorry, just so you see exactly what I meant. So I said like super, super similar. But let's have a look there. So that would have been more of like a Saxon one. Oh, cool. You see how it's just like almost like yeah. small things, but it's just a bit curved. That mm. was more common in like in, in like in like England and, and sort of like France. And, and it looks like it was more common with just one-handed swords as well, then rather than having yeah, they like the it was around around that time. One-handed swords were more popular in sort of yeah in 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 Scandinavia, in England, and yeah, in what were known as like Frankish types. So Anglo-Saxon and Frankish types were essentially the same swords, and they looked like this. But as I said, Vikings by when Vikings started like coming to the UK and stuff like that, and um, they started getting these swords, so it was very common. You know, so you see, oh man, that looks beautiful. I wonder if you can buy that Damascus Saxon sword by Paul Chen. Mm. that looks beautiful look at the pattern and the sword and that so cool yeah so that's more of like a viking one look it's got a straight one I say very very small differences but in general if it's got like a curved thing there it's more Saxon or Frankish Mm. and if it's got a straight one it's more viking very interesting isn't it yeah man and then isn't it it crazy to think like back in the day like a common household item would be like your dad's sword yeah man I like I love the, the idea as well like sword. you know if when you're like you're playing like a freaking when you're like younger and you're playing like a an RPG game or something like that and you're like you know how fun it is to like get better equipment and it mm. almost gets you like a bit excited like oh yeah I got a better sword in the game or something like it'd have been cool when your life literally was like that mm. like yeah I've got this sword at the moment it's okay but I'm gonna go to the UK soon on this shit yeah and then I wanna get like a freaking really good like better quality sword that's from like mm. Frankia or from or from England oh you know? man and then you do, you've just like leveled up. You're going to get yourself some better kit. Yeah. Some better swords. And it's just going to make you like a better warrior. Look at this guy. He's loving it. That's me in 20 years. 
<laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> when I have an abundance of money, I'm going to get myself a real nice sword. Oh yeah, man. I would. I would love. Like it's a bit. A bit like the same as um, as like with instruments and stuff. If I if I was like rich, I would just buy loads of weapons. Man. Yeah, loads of real high quality weapons. Yeah. And, I know, and I know just Made enough about amazing. it as well that I would know like what to get and stuff. If you know what I mean. Oh, this is cool. This, that's probably like a replica of like an old Viking king sword. Mm. That looks very much like the sort of sword that Bjorn has when he dies in Vikings. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, look. Yeah, look, it's even got Ragnar here. Sword of Kings. Oh, yeah. So actually, I think that even is. I think that's the sword that like Ragnar ends up getting that he, and, and then after Ragnar dies, Bjorn ends up having. Mm. I think it's cool. Like, yeah, the Sword of Kings in, in Vikings. Oh, look, there he is. Look, there he is. Bjorn with it. <laughs> so you can buy that. It's like a replica you can buy. I suppose it's I suppose it's like blunt there and stuff. But yeah, very interesting stuff. Anyway, oh there's Matt Easton. I watch his video his uh, YouTube channel all the time. <laughs> so I've that's how I know a lot about swords. Yeah, first. I was I was watching um a YouTube uh I, I might might have been that guy and I remember there was this like like a little bit of a curved one and mm. it was and I used to, used to love that sword. And it was yeah. and I remember at the time I said about you and you're like, Oh yeah, it's this one and da 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 yeah, and you'd yeah, like, yeah. seen exactly yeah, the same yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I've always been fascinated by like almost like historical weaponry because mm. it's obviously it's quite like a niche uh, like type of history isn't it mm. you know like um, it's only because like my old man's not so interested in that do you know what I mean he wouldn't be able to say no so much about that but I find that really interesting mm. you know he's mm. better with his dates and stuff mm. dates of battles and things like that but I could tell you more like what swords each army were using during that battle yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. so it's, it's quite interesting isn't it um, but yeah I know like little interesting things like uh, things that I find interesting like you can hear stories of like when Britain like invaded India and like how almost like it was fascinating for the soldiers because they'd never faced um, like soldiers that had their like the Indian style of, of mm. sword before and it caused like quite a lot of issues and there were like certain things about the British swords that were better and certain things about the Indian swords that were better. I mean the, the Indian swords were more like slashing hacking weapons whereas mm. the British mm. ones were more like stabby ones but yeah it was quite interesting you know like the Brits would come back um with all these tales, and then because of that that almost like evolved the way that the British swords were used at the time to make them like better defensively against season. Mm. Just very interesting, you know. It makes sense in a way, doesn't it? Like if you're facing an, an adversary and there's something about their weapon that could potentially like um, cause them to beat you mm. from like a design, uh, a design style. It makes sense, all right? Yeah, evolve your style yeah. to, to like nullify the damage. Mm. Yeah, nullify the damage. Yeah, yeah. Pretty crazy stuff, man. Right, let's um. Go on to some other nice little facts and stuff to before we finish off today's episode. Did you know that? Um, you know when people say like, oh, you know, like knock on wood, mm. you know, like you know, you know, oh, knock on wood and stuff like that. Did you know that knocking on wood actually comes from the belief that every tree is inhabited by a spirit known as a hammer dryad or dryad. The action of knocking was practiced by ancient priests to immediately summon this spirit to aid the priest or priestess in order to ward off evil or fulfill a wish. Oh. So the next time you knock on wood, remember that you are actually summoning the spirits of the trees. Wow. Did I just you, that was a cool little fact. Did you do you know about the um no skin off my nose? Do you know do you know about that? That kind I feel of like song. I have, but I've forgotten. Yeah, apparently it was uh, uh if I'm if I'm correct, it was it was um for for when um Vikings were collecting taxes in the UK <laughs> mm. um and you know, trying to collect taxes for people and if people wouldn't um pay up their taxes they'd chop the end of their nose off and ah then, so and it's then, like this phrase that, like, like the no, skin oh, well, they, they take the nose. skin of the end of their nose yeah so is it yeah take the skin from their nose there's, there's sorts of interesting cultural so like, things like that that we take for mm. granted like and when i say take for granted i mean we don't necessarily think about why they're there like obviously like sticking your two fingers up that was originally 
a, a thing that the the English used to do to the French because obviously mm. England used to have so many wars. And oh, battles the archers! With the, the archers would because yeah. when the French because the English had like the best longbowmen in like the world. Yeah. Um, and when the French the French feared the English longbowmen so much that they, whenever they used to catch an English longbowman, they would cut off his his, his two fingers because mm. that would pull back the bow. Mm. Um, so when um, the English would see the French during battles, they used to go like that, and and stick their got fingers, fingers. Like, yeah, it's almost like ah, and then like you know, yeah, yeah, like taunting them. Yeah, you want but, to take these fingers? But it became almost like a generic like screw you yeah, sort of thing, yeah. didn't it? Like stick your fingers up at somebody, and almost like a very, almost like in some ways, like even like say Winston Churchill during during the war, he would he almost used it as like a battle rally. Mm. I mean, like he would do that, like on on like posters and stuff, and there'd be photos of him like that, and it was like he was using that ancient British almost like way of like it was like defiance, mm. and it was like a way of unifying the country and like defiance, like we will not give in, we will not surrender. Like I'm sticking, you should my- not take our fingers. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm sticking my fingers up like mm. to anybody that wants to like crush, mm. you know, like sort of like Britain and our allies, mm. and um, obviously also it also coincides with it. It's, you're making a V, which you also used to say like V for victory. Mm. So V for victory, mm. it's like so it's like a double meaning, which is yeah. quite cool. But what yeah, about I think middle finger. I want, I that's an American thing. Ah, I don't. I don't know why yeah. that started. I have to no. say, obviously, we've adopted that as a cultural thing. Mm. It's not really. It was an American thing that we've mm. adapted. We, we've adopted. Sorry, not not something that evolved in England itself. Or at least I certainly don't think so. I definitely associate it with the Yanks more than us, mm. wouldn't you say? But um, yeah, it's interesting as you say, like skin off your nose, knock on wood, like two fingers, like and like. Do you remember what we were looking into as well? And it was like saying that. Um, and this is like a more of a worldwide one, but it was like saying about like, um, bless, you. bless you. Like yeah. we don't know why we say that. It goes back so far yeah. that we don't know like who started it. Yeah. Whoever, like they say, don't they? Like, they say nowadays, like you know, if the old idea is is like from a religious point of view, like if somebody sneezes, then they say that that's something like um, you're letting demons out, yeah, or you could be spelling a demon. So you have to you say bless you as a way of like mm. almost like politeness or something like that. But, well done, <laughs> well done for explaining the demon. <laughs> But I, there's like no, but it's, it's it goes back in like texts, like as far mm. as like humankind yeah. knows. Like there's there's like texts that go back like five thousand years yeah. of accounts of people saying "bless you," but they don't know why it started or like when. So it's very interesting. Like the though, oldest fart was uh, the oldest joke was about a fart, a Sumerian yeah, fart joke, yeah. and it was about like some woman farting on her partner's lap. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, that was hilarious. That one, I can't remember exactly what it was now, but it was just like, yeah, that seems so funny, man. Yeah, seems so funny. Right, let's um, see if there's any other interesting facts before we wrap up the episode. Um, a planet twice the size of Earth has been discovered that may be covered by ocean. Nice. Scientists have discovered a rare planet named TOIH, sorry, TOI733b, which is twice the size of Earth and covered by oceans. It was found 245 light years away by NASA's TESS telescope, orbiting a star similar to our sun in just 4.9 days. 20i733b's size falls within a unique range, bridging the gap between super-Earths and mini-Neptunes, and its dense atmosphere suggests it may be entirely covered in water. Immediately just makes me think, like, oh, I want to know, is there, like, freaking any mm. creatures in that ocean? Yeah, man, when you were saying earlier about, um, about uh, we were talking about, like, which is the fish and, like, creatures mm. and things like that, like, and, and evolution, mm. like, oh, man, just being able to see other creatures from other forms of evolutionary like you know like where wherever they are like oh man i ca- i cannot wait well i might like, not never see imagine it, but... if like say you could just go to say that planet mm. 
um, and just had this like super fortified submarine and you yeah. just go around in the submarine and imagine if you just saw these men or creatures. Yeah, like what they would look like. Like like the, like, the, like giant ones. Yeah. <laughs> and just like all this all like creatures that look almost like mermaids or something. Yeah, ones that were so big that you think it's not you know you, you think it's a bit of land or something, but really it's just this creature. <laughs> oh man. So it's almost a bit sketchy, isn't it? Um this is this is a cool little thing that uh, there's these things called prototaxites, and they're a genus of terrestrial fossil fungi that dates from the Middle Ordovician period until the Late Devonian period, which is a pro- which is between 470 to 360 million years ago. So we're going back like hella hella long, hella long. Proto. So this is interesting because this is like this is like the ancestors of fungi. Mm. Pro. So taxites form small to large trunk-like structures up to one meter, three feet wide, reaching eight meters or 26 feet in height and made up of interwoven tubes around 50 micrometers, which is 0.002 inches in diameter, making it by far the largest land-dwelling organism of its time. Mm. So in the world at the time, that was the, like, the largest organism on the earth. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Invertebrates were the only other land-dwelling multicellular life at the time. So this is obviously a long time before the dinosaurs or anything like that evolved. Prototaxites became extinct as vascular plants rose to prominence. The organism could have used its tall columnar structure for spore dispersal. Isn't that fascinating? So that's like the cool. ancestors of fungi. What it must have looked and like. And they were then. literally the largest organisms on the earth. Just and they big were just trunk-like massive, things. Yeah, like column-like <laughs> fungi that were just like spurting out its spores all over the place <laughs> that's fascinating isn't it Damn. man you need to, we need to get into like freaking shipwreck exploration because it's like if you if you freaking hit the jackpot man you can get rich quick really um, this is this is an interesting fact yeah so in 2007 um odyssey marine exploration um that's like the, the company found a shipwreck off the coast of portugal believed to be a spanish navy frigate which was sunk by the british in 1804 the wreck um, was found to have an estimated $500 million uh, worth of gold and silver coins oh. aboard, sparking legal disputes over the ownership. This discovery highlighted advances in underwater archaeology and ignited interest in maritime history and treasure hunting. You can see why that would cause such an issue, can't you? Because it was found yeah. off the coast of Portugal, so the Portuguese would be like, this is ours, it's on our territory. The Spanish would be like, it was found on a Spanish ship that was sunk. Um, and it's in literally in a Spanish ship, and it would have been owned by Spanish people, so it's ours. And I'd be like, I found it, I'm keeping it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'd just be like a typical Brit, and I'd be like, I sunk you. Yeah. So my trial by combat, baby. Yeah. We want trial by combat. Give me that now. Yeah. We're gonna. Yeah. I want to freaking have half a bill. Yeah. <laughs> you know, fair. You know, man. You know, to the to the winners goes the spoils, mm. bruh. You know, mm. I'm only, if, there's, it, any, like, if in, there's any Spaniards or Portuguese, I'm only, I'm only <laughs> In the UK. Carl, come and slap me. <laughs> Pig. <laughs> Put the cabron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the UK, if you find like coins and stuff, haven't you got got to give them to... Um, yeah, I, th- I think do you get so. Do you get paid something or something, but you get, you can't keep all of it or something? I, I, think that you, I think that you can get paid for it. I don't know the ins and outs. So mm. I, we'll have to look into it and talk about it on the Pandora's box, but... Um, but yeah, that'd really annoy me if I found something mm. that was just like unclaimed. I'd be like, "Yeah, it's mad." <laughs> this is this is probably just one of these mad conspiracy theories. But do we do you want to finish off on a conspiracy theory? Yeah, I don't know if you've ever Why heard not? this before. 
Um, did you know that the man who funded the building of the Titanic, J.P. Morgan, cancelled his long-awaited journey across the Atlantic just hours before its proposed departure? Mm. Did you also know that three of the wealthiest men on Earth whom were against the creation of the Federal Bank Reserve, oh, yeah, happens to be before. invited aboard for its maiden voyage. It then headed full speed into a, into a known iceberg field with less than half the required lifeboats, with no red signal flares, no Rothschild or Rockefeller on board, and sank to the bottom of the North Atlantic Ocean less than a year later. Now that the wealthy opposition was out of the way... The Federal Reserve was created and USA was turned into an incorporated business with its own business ID number 28USC.300215. The three men that were killed in the Titanic that sank that were opposing this were Benjamin Guggenheim, Isa Strauss and Jacob Astor. All three of them opposed the new Federal Reserve Bank. Um, in today's money, these men combined would have been worth 11 billion US dollars. And all three of them were aboard the Titanic when it sank and died on the night. Um, it turns out that the Titanic did withstand the iceberg, like it is said, in a tin. But it turns out that an explosion in the hull made it sink. So that's like a that's like a, a rumor. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like a conspiracy theory. Yeah. So... Um, Interesting. So the, the 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 theory is is that it actually did withstand the original iceberg hit, and that an explosion in the hull made it sink. Yeah, man. I I remember hearing that about the Federal Reserve thing as well. There's this guy called Waters Above Crypto, and he goes mm. deep into like uh new like uh, numerology and things like that. Mm. It's really crazy. It's quite esoteric, like how he like uh looks into the market and everything. But he was saying about that, he kept mentioning about the Titanic, and I was like, what's he on about? And looked it up, and I was like, yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? One of those yeah. and one coincidences. Thing, one thing that makes it more, I'm saying, I'm not saying I necessarily believe this, I'm not saying I don't either. One thing I think is more realistic is it goes on to say, they're not saying that this was like a, 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 like a large conspiracy. So it's not like the people that built the boat or anything, or the captain was in on it, um, obviously. It's saying that in this sort of theory, the idea is is that there was basically a lone traitor, like, a, like yeah. a, a traitor that was paid by potentially, you know, these people um, that could have planted a bomb. Because it was saying, like, the, and they were also saying, like, you know, some people have looked into it loads, and they're saying that the Titanic, almost like the way it was built and designed, it was almost impossible that it could have sunk from outside collision, from outside right. damage. Okay, but yeah. it could have sank from interior damage. Yeah. So if someone planted a big enough bomb in the middle of the ship and then detonated it, that could cause the ship to sink. So I do think it's quite an interesting thought. Mm. I think another thing, I think we talked about this on the the pod as well, just to finish off. Did you know that um, 14 years before the Titanic sank, someone wrote a novel about a ship named the Titan, right? Not Titanic, the Titan, which also sank in the North Atlantic Ocean in the same month as when the Titanic did sink, April, I think it was, and struck an iceberg located with the same distance from Newfoundland. Maybe, oh and there's man, literally nice. the book. It was, it was written by a man called Morgan Robertson, and you can buy it today. To this day, it's called The Wreck of the Titan. That is insane. Isn't that just mad? <laughs> Sounds like The Simpsons when they, they've yeah, done some, you know, they, yeah. some things, haven't they, in the start of their shows, and it's like almost yeah, very much like the future. That. <laughs> yeah, very much like that. But um, yeah, I think we'll leave it there for this week, guys. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Pandora's Box. Uh, we appreciate everybody that tunes in every week. Uh, and yeah, have a good one until next time, guys. Nice. We Ta-ta love you. for now. Cheerio.